Mueller and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Back like we never left, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. High noon on a holiday weekend Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience and a lot of pond hockey chops. I'll let you figure out the rest. We're back here on a Thursday to send you into your holiday weekend with a smile on your face. You know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions. Get at us on the .com. I'm talking the Twitter.com. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. It's been a little while. It's been a couple days. What up, Mozi? Man, it ain't been that long. <laughs> we were just here. I mean, you know, we, right. we 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 gotta take a take a step back every once in a while to make sure the people really miss us. Make sure they're really tuning in. They say the heart grows fonder. Absence makes the heart you grow know? fonder, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. so just try to make sure y'all still love us. That's it. Are the most we got a jam packed show today? Of course, it's a Thursday. That means a few things on the program. No Brian Backo today. He's on of vacation. Of course this. not. He's on vacation this week. All right. Of so course. We'll, we'll let him slide. Hopefully, you know he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's noon. So I mean, if we're being honest here, you know Brian Backo. I mean, he should he should have some beverages in his system by this point if that he's would, doing that vacation. Would, right. That would even be better. Yeah. So I mean, you know, <laughs> Brian Backo. Hopefully, right now, sitting on a beach somewhere with a cold drink in his hand. We'll get back with him next week. But you know, Thursday also means three questions. Thursday, we've got to talk about this best head coaches debate in the NFL that's been uh, uh, raging on social media here the last tw- what twenty four, forty eight hours or so. But Arthur Motes, we start today with some preseason news. Now, I do think it's important to note nothing official has been announced by the NFL mm-hmm. yet. But everybody else is reporting this, right? Uh, ESPN and Adam Schefter, The Athletic, CBS Sports, the NFL Network, Pro Football Talk with NBC Sports. They're all reporting that in the next day or two, we're going to get the official announcement from the NFL, right, that uh, two preseason games are going to be cut. It looks like it'll be the first preseason game and the last preseason game. Arthur Motes, when you heard that, you know, kind of because I know your experience with the preseason is unique compared to maybe how some people view it, certainly outside of the football world. Uh, but yesterday when you heard the, you know, the let's call it pending announcement, if you will, that the NFL is going to cut the first and the fourth preseason games. Uh, what was your first reaction? Well, for me, um, I, I guess I view it from both sides. I've experienced it where preseason didn't matter at all looked at it like it was a waste of time (laughs) and then I've been on the other side where preseason was critical in terms of my roster positioning and things like that so I always try to think from both angles of it to make sure that I'm not excluding one side or being too heavily dominant mentally from the other side which a lot of times is easy to do from a fan standpoint or from a media standpoint but you know the one part of me from a veteran standpoint was like man you know the preseason you're adding more risk. You're adding more exposure to injury. Travel. You really don't need it in that regard. If I mean, you're professionals. You know how to take care of yourself. You know how to get yourself mentally and physically prepared to play. Now, granted, there is no substitute for games, no matter how hard you practice. 
that's the funny thing about training camp. <laughs> you go crazy hard for three weeks. You had that first drive <laughs> in a game, and you're like, whoa, this is different. Like, I'm gassed all yeah. of a sudden here. L- lungs on fire. <laughs> but, you know, that's a part of the whole process of preparing yourself for the season. But now – when I thought of it from that side, from the veteran standpoint, I was like, you know, I don't really think it's that big of a deal because guys are going to be fine. The only veterans that you're really going to be concerned about needing the preseason would be a guy like Ben Roethlisberger coming off of a year away from uh, with injury. Sure. Or you think about an Eric Ebron, a guy who dealt with injuries last year but is also coming into a new team, trying to get acclimated to the game speed mm-hmm. with this team offense and stuff like that. So you think about those guys, but overall Stephon you're not really – Stephon trying to figure out exactly what his right. role is going to be. Yeah, and even, I mean, the battle with uh, Zach Banner and Chooks Okorafor, yep. you want to see all of those things play out in the preseason before you just throw them into the regular season game where it counts in terms of wins and losses. So that was the the one side of it. But then I think of the other side. I think of the, the guys that aren't proven yet, whether you're rookies, whether you're bubble roster guys, whether you're veteran additions that have to compete for a job. That's the different part. Those are the people who are getting the short end of the stick because traditionally with your four or five preseason games, depending on if you have the Hall of Fame game or not, you have multiple opportunities to audition. You have multiple opportunities to put out your best body of work in a game setting because people will dominate practice, and that could be for a lot of reasons. It could be number one just because you know what the offense is trying to run because you've been seeing them every day since OTAs, minicamp. It could be because you just have a really good matchup with the the player across from you. Obviously, your teammates and and you're going to know that guy a lot better than you would. familiar with his strengths, his weaknesses. So that could be one of the things. Also, you have to remember this. The offense and defensive coaches, they work together when they're scripting their plays. So they're going to call certain plays right on time because the offensive coordinator might say, hey, I want to see how this quarterback reacts with the free rusher coming off the edge. Hmm. But you might be the free rusher because of that call, and you're thinking, man, I'm kicking butt out here today. And it's like, no, they (laughs) we schemed this. (laughs) You know what I mean? We schemed it for it to be like this. So – when you get the chance to see those guys in the actual game situation where there is no rhyme or reason to some of these mm-hmm. calls, or how about when the coach puts in the wrong personnel? Somebody gives him the wrong personnel, so he has the absolute wrong call, wrong people out there. How do you handle that call? How do you handle that play? Are you going to panic? Are you going to be able to still execute it? Are you going to win the mismatch that's not in your favor? These are some of the things that happen in preseason games that isn't a controlled environment like a practice setting. And when you don't get a chance to see some of these younger players or some of these bubble guys, veteran guys competing for a roster spot, you don't really have a confidence level in them. Because traditionally in these mm-hmm. uh, in the normal offseason, the reason why these players are getting so many reps is because you know what the veterans can do, and they're not going to have to take the lion's share of reps during the preseason. That's, that's your observation period. Right. So for those guys, yeah, you're, 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 you're Ben Robsberger. He played, what, 15 snaps last year. Before then, you might see him in two preseason games, and it's only going to be for maybe a quarter or two quarters tops. Whereas now when you're talking about cutting it down to just two preseason games, that's drastically different. Though those Your starters are going to want more snaps, absolutely. especially with the lack of offseason programs. Absolutely, because that's going to give them their best opportunities to be prepared for when the regular season hits. So it's a catch-22 in terms of I see the veteran angle of it, the, the established player element of it, but then I also see the, the side of the bubble guy, the new guy who's trying to compete and how they're going to be at a very, very bad disadvantage. And for the people that are say, well, it doesn't matter if they're bubble guys anyways, they're not going to have an impact, I, I tell you that that's not the truth because yeah. there was plenty of times that I come in as a bubble guy and I end up being the starter predominantly midway through the season and, and, and on. 
and was very productive. And I could point to numerous other players who were in similar situations where their job was not secure from a contract standpoint or from a roster standpoint. You can look at the Steelers roster right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, some of the starters were bubble guys at one Absolutely. point in their career. So, and, and, and the thing is, they wouldn't have those opportunities. They wouldn't have had those opportunities to show themselves, to produce, to build up that rapport and that trust with not only the coaching staff, but their fellow teammates if it wasn't for those preseason games. That was one of the things that even when I was in Buffalo and then even my first year here in Pittsburgh, the reason why there was such a trust when I got my number called was because of my performances in the preseason. They were able to see that, okay, this guy knows the calls. That's the first part. He knows what he's supposed to do. He's not going to just blow an assignment right. or a coverage or be, be, line up in the wrong spot. Because, they're, 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 hey, you want to get beat. That's the quickest way to get beat. You and do the wrong take thing. For, for granted. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say because there are a lot of players at various stages of their career that do not know the playbook. This is your chance because, like I said, doing practice, you know how easy it is just ask your position coach, hey, what's on the script today? Oh, okay, you got you got the first four plays, then you're going to have the last four plays of this clip. <laughs> okay, well, what are the calls? Are you going to have two blitzes and two coverages? Okay, uh, are we going to have any, any uh, empty checks? Yeah, you're going to have an empty check on the fourth play. You know how easy that is when you go out <clears throat> when you go out there and you're like, okay, boom, boom. Oh, mm-hmm. here's the empty check. No surprise. We're okay now. When you get to That's, the games, though, it's a world of difference. It's, yeah, it's like um, you remember how sometimes when you were in high school or, or whatever, and the teacher ahead of a test or a quiz, mm-hmm. they'd give you 50 questions. Yeah. And they'd say 30 of these are going to be on the test. Uh-huh. Right? There's a big difference between that and just rocking up to the test with 50 hey, questions unknown. No question. And, and and I don't even like to call the games a test. They're more like exams. Oh, yeah. Because they, they're weighted drastically it's like the, different. It's like the SATs, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a whole other level of weight that goes with yeah. these games. So – when you're preparing for them, yeah, your coaches are going to want to put you in your best situation in terms of making sure that you, number one, know the call, know the intricacies of the call, because I don't want people to think that you're asking for the calls and the coach shouldn't give you the calls in practice ahead of time because that's not necessarily the case. Right. A lot of times you're trying to talk things through with your coach to get a better understanding of the call, to get more in-depth knowledge. But just like with anything, you are going to have some guys that use it as a cheat sheet. Sure. And, and, and there's still some times where things will happen out there in practice that go off the script necessarily, and you have to adapt to that. But overall, all of those things are gearing you up for the preseason, which then gears you up for the regular season. So when you talk about condensing it or from the NFLPA standpoint where they're talking about they want to potentially get rid of it altogether, that really puts players behind the eight ball. And like I said, not the, not the established guys because they'll be fine. But when you get outside that top 24, top 26 players on your roster, from then on – that's where you're you're gonna run into some stuff right there, man. So I'm not the biggest fan of it. I definitely think that the preseason is needed, but at the same time, I can understand from the veteran standpoint why they are for getting yeah. rid of the games, especially in this type of off season. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more when we come back here. Um, the potential of having no preseason at all. Maybe how the NFL could compensate for the lack of these <laughs> ramp up times, if you will, what training camp could look like or be extended in that regard. Let's get to all that around the corner. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler on a Thursday that's kind of a Friday, right? Because, I mean, no show tomorrow, by the way. It's a holiday, Ooh. company holiday tomorrow, all right? Motes and I are taking advantage. I can't believe you're going to tell the people in the first segment, boy, they about to turn off. 
<laughs> no, they got to stick with us here now for the next uh, hour 45 minutes they, because they, it's the last hour 45 minutes they get till next week. No, nah, I see this their their way of revolting against us and saying, "Hey, if you don't if you don't come back next week, we're not going to listen to you today." <laughs> see? Leverage. <laughs> well, stay with us here. All right. Our about <sighs> Wesley Euler, Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, Arthur Motes, one thing <laughs> that I think if we haven't accepted yet, right, we're just kind of kidding ourselves, football is going to look different than it's ever, ever has before, right? It's just going to be a weird season a weird time here it's not going to look or feel necessarily in the structure of the schedule and how we do things like it's just going to be a unique football season from the preseason perspective to what could happen with training camp to to what's going on with the fans being allowed in this day it's going to be a unique year could we mozi have no preseason at all that's you know, rumored to be something that the NFLPA is discussing, requesting, I guess, from the NFL. And you started to kind of touch on this at the end of last segment, right? The makes sense from the veteran nature, right? But then at the same time, you're kind of, man, you're really hurting a lot of guys who are, you know, singing for their supper, if Mm -hmm. you will, um, fighting for those last roster spots. Do you think that this is legitimately something that, that could happen, that the NFL could actually go with no preseason games this year? I think they're going to strongly consider it, and depending on who has the bigger voice <laughs> during these meetings is going to dictate a lot. Obviously, if you're you're bored from an NFLPA standpoint, is filled with a ton of players that weren't you know bubble guys. They were always highly paid, always at the front of the table, and things like that. Well, then yeah, it's, it's safe to say that there probably wouldn't be a preseason because their voice is going to dominate that because. That's their only experience. Now, on the contrary, if there is some diversity up there and the guys that need these preseason opportunities or have experienced the significance of those preseason opportunities, if they can communicate that and get that point across clearly and impactfully, I think that'll go a long way in terms of them at least keeping two of the preseason games because I think you need to have some form of preseason. Yeah. Just, I mean, for you to have your best foot forward for for the players, even the veteran players, for them to be as best as possible. I mean, even the years where I didn't see the point in preseason, I still saw the point in the preseason. <laughs> Let's be real about it. It was more so I didn't I, I didn't want to be inconvenienced with having to go to training camp, going to Latrobe, or going to St. Vincent when I was in Buffalo. I didn't want to deal with the inconvenience of, all right, I'm going to play in these games where the pay is going to be not even 10% of my contract. Right. But I'm still taking the same risk as if I was playing for my full contract. And that wasn't during a pandemic. Correct. So those are some of the things that, you know, I would always use as reasons why I didn't want the preseason. But at the same time, it gave me a great opportunity to get live reps. It's a difference between tackling somebody in practice and tackling somebody in the game. There's a difference between going through your reads in practice versus going through your reads in the game because it happens a lot faster. Even in a preseason game, it's a lot faster in a game than it is in a training camp practice. The intensity level is a lot higher. The nastiness is a lot higher because you don't know these guys. 
because you do have the fan element, because you do have guys competing for their jobs, sure. their livelihood. Sure. In a practice setting, it isn't the same. In a practice setting, you'll hear the coaches talk about, hey, we want you to go hard, but take care of each other, be smart. Meaning, I don't need you blindsiding a guy. I don't need right. you if this guy, if the runner's going to the ground to finish him off. I don't need you chopping at a dude's knees either. But in a game, that's totally different. Those rules go out the window. There are no friendly yeah, ways to tackle somebody. For your job, Absolutely. There's no, hey, let this guy down easy. Yeah, you, you, you're trying to put him out. That's that's what you're. That's the mentality that you play with. So, I see both sides of it, and yeah. ultimately, I'm I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail in in terms of understanding that the preseason is needed, regardless of where you are in your career, regardless of how established you are. You you don't want to go into that first game, your first time in the stadium, right? This year, especially this year with no OTAs, no mini camp, your first time in the stadium, Mo- being a real game. Mo- we, we've seen a, <laughs> over the last like you know five ten years as the preseason, it feels like every year gets a little more de-emphasized. Mm-hmm. We've seen that, right? The football, the first two, three, four weeks of the regular season, doesn't look as good as it does week five, six, seven, eight of the regular season. That's going to be even crazier if there's no preseason at all those first couple games of the year that first quarter of the season is going to be real sloppy and that's just from the the aesthetic point right of just the beauty of watching football and what we all deem as good football forget the injury element of that right I mean I know you saw this right in 2010 when you came into the league was the lockout shortened off season correct no I was here before I was was 2010 okay okay so that would have been oh nine 09 off season going into the 10 going season. into the 10 season yeah where okay. the lockout was that 10 season ended going into the 11 season gotcha yeah okay so I mean all you have to do right is is look at the list of injuries oh, that were that season it was yeah. higher than usual particularly early in the season so here's what I'm wondering with all this moats because I get right the concerns the safety concerns uh particularly during a pandemic extra travel all those things I wonder if there's something they could work out with just changing the preseason schedules, right? Where you still play two preseason games, but it's teams that are with it. Like like the Steelers play the Browns and the Eagles. You know what I mean? Or the the Bills and mm-hmm. Cleveland. You know, like like you can get in a car, you can drive there. You know, like there's not the, the full... Do you ma- really think these NFL teams are driving? The Cleveland? Two hours? That's about the only place they drive. They fly to Buffalo. They fly everywhere else. When I was in Buffalo, mm-hmm. it's the exact same distance from well, Buffalo to Cleveland. That's true. And we flew there they're as still, well. Okay, so they're, still, and they're, and they're chartering their own plane, yeah. so it's, it's not like they're hopping on you know, Spirit right. Airlines or whatever with a bunch of strangers. But just in the sense that they could make it a day trip. You know, it's it's not yeah. flying to New Orleans, right, which they're mm-hmm. supposed to do, I, I believe, uh, as the preseason stands now, right? Yeah. It would be – or no, sorry, the New, New Orleans would be coming here. And then yes. they would be going to New York mm-hmm. to play the Jets. So, I mean, still – I feel like there's ways that you could make it a day trip where it's not as much of a journey for these teams. I I, I don't know. Well, the thing maybe I'm maybe I'm a dreamer, Annie. Well, I was gonna say the thing too is this, man. The NFL they could easily day trip games. That's not the issue. I mean, they could have done that before. The issue is giving the players a chance for their body to acclimate. You know what it feels like to fly, and now you're gonna fly and play a game and then fly right back. Mm-hmm. That's not you're realistic, gonna sit, man. You're gonna sit in a chair for three hours. <laughs> that's and, not realistic yeah. at all. Yeah. So that's the biggest reason why. The NFL, I mean, in the teams, they usually fly out a day before. If it's a West Coast trip, they fly out two to three days right. before. Time changing. Just everything. because your body has to get a chance to acclimate. Otherwise, you're going to open yourself up to more injuries more and jeopardize yourself. I mean, even collegiately, 
we would still, even when we took the bus everywhere, we're going to take the bus the day before. So that way we got time to at least sure. get there, stretch it out. Same thing when I was yeah. working with the hockey team in Ohio. We did the same thing. Yeah, because otherwise, man, you, you really put yourself in a position to have injuries because of that. Yeah. Just a whole lot of moving parts. Another thing that plays into this, Motsi, right, is fans in attendance. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw the report that I did yesterday from The Athletic that the NFL is considering, you know, what I guess liability waivers would be yes. would be the term for it for fans who comes to games this year. Uh, earlier in the week, right, there was the announcement from the NFL Network that the NFL wants to allow local authorities to determine how many mm-hmm. fans are allowed, right? So there won't be a, a blanket cap. You know, you right. could have uh, more fans in Green Bay than you would in New York City. Well, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to be pessimistic here, Arthur Motes, all right? I'm just trying to be realistic. It, every day, it feels like we're getting further and further away, not closer to actually having fans in attendance. Like, sports are going to get back in America. I just don't know how close we are to fans being a part of that. Yeah, and um, when you're talking about fans having to sign a waiver to uh, plan, I mean, to, to come to the game, stuff like that, I'm personally not a fan of it just because for the ones out there that are saying, well, look, man, if I want to go, let me take the risk. It's less about you taking the risk and more about the people that you're going to come into contact Mm -hmm. with after that risk. When you're flying back to wherever you're from or when you drive back and the people you interact with, that's an unnecessary risk that that. It, I mean, what's the purpose of it? I understand the fandom. I understand people wanting to be in the stands, and I understand how being there affects people emotionally. I mean, sure. it's a big deal, without a doubt. And I have, I definitely understand it. And trust me, as a former player, you appreciate it. That's some of the things that you love about some of the diehard fans you come across. But when you're talking about the risk that you run, like I said, you might not be a, a high-risk person, right? You could be at a, a low risk person just because of your age and your health standing and things like that but what about the person you might come across that has a compromised immune system that didn't go to a game but you bumped into them at the grocery store or what about that older person that was at the gas station and when you were filling up after you left the game that you could come in contact with and things like that that's the 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 sensitivity of it that's some of the dilemmas that you deal with because, like I said, you might be fine, and and we hope you are fine. But when you just go off of how many people you're going to potentially come into contact with mm-hmm. and you really look at how many people they're going to come into contact with, this could be two or three layers deep. But if it stemmed from you being at that game, I mean, how do you really live with yourself when you think about, man, I, I could have ultimately killed somebody. I mean, so that's some of the things you don't really want to think about, but that is reality right now. They traced in Europe right before, you know, like a few days before everything shut down, uh, Liverpool and Atletico Madrid played in Spain. Mm -hmm. They traced a whole bunch of cases in Spain back to people at that game. Yeah. That, you know, like it started with just eight people or whatever, and then it spread from, you know, the transportation to the game, interacting at the game, being in the stands, bathrooms, concession stands, all that stuff. Yep, Motsi, you know this. I, this was supposed to be my first year as a WVU football season ticket holder. Yeah. I care in terms of sports, right, and <laughs> in terms of the things that really don't matter in life, right? And I know that sounds crazy because <laughs> I, I make my living in sports, but you get what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not talking about my family. I'm not talking about my friends. I'm not talking about my health, right? Like, 
of the things that I do for fun, of the, of the tangible things in life, right, where we choose to spend our time and our income, WVU football games are like my favorite by far. Anybody who's listened to the right. show for more than 15 minutes knows this. But yeah, Moats, I know, like, I'm going to get a call in the next month from my WVU ticket rep who's going to tell me, hey, we're really sorry, but there's no fans at games this year. Like, that's definitely going to happen in college football, I think. And yeah, I'm going to be bummed, but I'm going to understand why. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing, man. We have to be selfless in times like now, and yes. I understand that goes we against. We don't do that well as Americans. I was gonna say that goes against everything that we are taught in this, uh, in just this country and our society, man. We're always about putting ourselves first, and I think that's some of the reasons why we're kind of in the situation that we're in right now. Just when we go back to when they were talking about some of the quarantining and wearing the mask and things like that. So when I think of a season and fans want to be there so bad. What are you willing to risk for you to be in attendance? Like for eight games, for eight games, and that's the thing: eight games condensed preseason, condensed all season. So the product isn't even going to be what you expect it to be. Anyhow, the the game experience is going to be what you expect it to be. The, the tailgates aren't going to be the same that's, anyways. Yeah. So yeah. so when I factor in all of these things, I just personally don't understand. Why you're willing willing to risk not only your health, but like you said, you could say, hey, man, I'm good with my health, but the health and safety of other people that you're going to come in contact with. For me, that's the part where, where I draw the line where I say, you know what, it's not worth it because I'm not worried about being at risk, but I'm sure it's people that I come in contact with that may be living with somebody that's at risk, whether it's a parent, whether it's a grandparent, whether it's a niece, a nephew, whether it's somebody with asthma. It's, it's so many people that you come across that you might not even know. They have a compromised immune system. But all it takes is your contact with them in, in, in that type of situation. And now before you know it, we got some dire consequences. This is the example that I've, I've used twice this week. Um, I know you're familiar with this. Uh, for our listeners who are not, I've been filling in for Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Crow Man. The Crow Man as well, too. Uh, I'll be doing that again today from 4 to 7. Moats will join me at 5 o'clock. If, hey. if you want a little more Euler and Moats in your life, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said this example uh, each once of the past two days. You played youth, youth sports, Arthur Moats, obviously. I played youth sports. I would like to imagine, you know what they say happens when you assume, but I think it's safe to assume that the good majority of our listeners played youth sports uh-huh. as well, too. You remember how, you know, maybe you're on the Little League baseball team or football or basketball, hockey, whatever it may be, and Timmy's late to practice. Or Johnny cheats on his last push-ups. Or Billy, you know, you're running sprints and Billy doesn't run the whole way through the line or he doesn't put his hand down on the ground when you're doing suicides. Or... God forbid, Arthur Motes, you know, Danny, little Danny on the team, he talks back to the head coach, uh-huh. right? Things like that happen when you play youth sports, and then all of a sudden, the whole team's doing more push-ups. The whole right. team's running more suicides. And you're sitting there looking at your coach like, Coach, what's up, man? Danny was the one who was talking back to you, not me. And what did your coach say? Hey, your man, coach you're said, a team. you're a team. You're a team. You triumph together. When one of you messes up, you all mess up. When one of you has success, you all have success. Arthur Motes. In this whole situation right now in our country, don't be the Danny. All right? Don't be the Danny. That's what I've been telling people. And we'll get sports back. And then then you'll be able to be at sporting events sooner rather than later as well, too. It's a win-win. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing, man. We don't – I mean, we're not saying to follow these rules because we don't want sports back or because we want to 
to make you feel as if the government is controlling us, <laughs> conspiracy theory and all this other stuff. No, we're trying to do it because we understand the sooner we get through point A is when we can get to point B, which will lead us to point C and ultimately point D, which is what we want. Back to normal. Mm-hmm. But we can't get there without everybody cooperating. And we can't get back to having a normal full capacity sellout crowd at Pittsburgh. I mean, at, at Heinz Field. Think about that, man. You know how awesome it is Sunday night football at Heinz? terrible football at Heinz. You know what that's mm-hmm. like? You know I, I, how much fun I, concerts are at Heinz like, Field? come on, man. Mozi, a week or two ago, I should have been at Heinz Field with 60, 70,000 people singing along to Rolling Stone songs. Come on, man. I'm missing on Kidney Chesney. Come on, baby. Ain't no Pittsburgh Symphony, Mozi. I mean, what exactly, are we doing? Man. What are we doing? Yeah, just you know, don't be the Danny, all right? Don't be the one who talks back to the coach and get, makes everything worse for everybody else. And let's all, you know, hopefully we can get our butts in some seats sooner rather than later. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, we got about 30, what, 36 minutes in the books here so far. When we come back, oh, man, we were off air the last two days, and there's been a there's been debates raging on Twitter all about this. Who are the top 10 coaches in the National Football League? Where does Mike Tomlin belong on that list? Motsi's been texting me. We, we've been waiting to discuss yeah, this. <laughs> so that's what we'll get into uh, on the other side. Keep those tweets rolling in. we got a few already. You know, we'll get to them in an hour or two. You can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body 52 The Body. Talking head coaches in the National Football League on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Holiday weekend on the horizon here. We're having some fun. Euler and Motes on a Thursday that kind of feels like a Friday. But in a month, it still kind of feels like March in a long <laughs> way. Because <laughs> there's still Motes, right? I think, are we still on this? There's still only three days, right? There's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's it. That sound about right to me, man. Since mid-March, those are the only three days we've had. <laughs> and we continue here. We're going to have some fun. We're going to embrace some debate here because... You know, we've talked about this. It's like the gold rush of sports content, right? Everyone's trying to drum up their their topics, their unique ways to talk sports, as we are now, Arthur Motes, 112 days. I like it. Since the last team, big league, fans in attendance, sporting event in the United States. Again, with all respect to golf and NASCAR. I want to say, put some respect on NASCAR. I'm talking about the, you know, the big four leagues that, that kind of dominate the sports schedule. 112 days of sports held hostage in America. So we're trying to come up with content, right? We're walking through that desert, you know? We, we needed that Cam Newton content really <laughs> desperately earlier in the week. Uh, CBS Sports has been putting out these. First off, man, hold on, man. You got to give us more respect than that, man. We're not walking through the desert. We're like well, Jesus turning. We turn water into wine, baby. Everybody <laughs> else over here drowning. out. we over here like, nah, hold on, hold on. We'll keep the party going. I got y'all real quick. That's Content. True. I, That's what, what we really do. I like that example. Hey, we're man. turning water into wine, That's baby. what we doing. <laughs> Arthur Mutt said that we were the ones who were Jesus, all right? so But, but I'll take the water into wine thing. Um so, yeah, CBS Sports, uh, they've been putting out these NFL lists every day, right? Best quarterbacks, best running backs, best edge rushers, et cetera, et cetera. 
And man, when they've been doing so, Motsi, they've been drumming up some good old-fashioned controversy. Mm-hmm. And they've done so with their head coach list that came out on Tuesday as well. Arthur Motes, according to CBS Sports, here are the top 10 coaches in the National Football League. We'll start at the back here on this one. Number 10, Mike Zimmer. Number 9, Doug Peterson. Number 8, Pete Carroll. Number seven, our own Mike Tomlin. Number six, the boy wonder, Sean McVay. Number five, the other boy wonder, Kyle Shanahan. Number four, yo boy. Uh, my favorite guy in the world, Sean Payton. You gotta love him. You gotta love him. Number three, John Harbaugh. Number two, old big red Andy Reid. And number one, Darth Belichick. The evil genius. Of the evil empire in New England. Arthur Motes at first... Anything about this list peeve you? Because there's something about this list that peeved me, but I'll give you the first opportunity. Well, you know, I always got issues with any list that comes out, man, if I don't create it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are multiple things that peeved me on said list. Well, what you got? I mean, certain guys I think are a little, well, not even a little, a lot higher than what they should be. And then there's one specific name that is left off this list that I think is utterly disrespectful. Ooh. So, that's how I feel about it, man. What, what say you, though? So, the two on this list that I have a problem with, and I have a, I have a problem with two of the positions on this list. Okay. Um, one, I think, is too high. One, I think, I don't know if too low, but it, it, just let me get into it, all right? I'll, I'll explain it better actually talking about it than I will trying to find the way to describe it. Because I like um, how you tried to just subtly make me go first, and you know I don't do that. It bothers me that Andy Reid's at number two. Not because I don't think he deserves it, but because last year, you know, I went and did the research, Motsi. They had Andy Reid number eight on this list last year. Mm -hmm. You know my stance on this. Okay. If if your opinion of Andy Reid changed so drastically in the six minutes in that fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, uh, you're just being hyperbolic with this stuff. Wait a minute now. The difference between Andy Reid last year and this year is there something very shiny on his finger right now? What is that? Well, as a head coach. what is Exactly. That's he, what we're talking about. We're had, not talking position coach. If that's the case, right. put Dick LeBeau well, on the list. Well, offensive up. coordinators no, are a little bit no, different. No. We, yeah, we, Dick we talk, gets a lot of credit yeah. for those Steelers yeah, championships. We, but we, we, we're talking head coaches right now. You're right. So I think that is a big difference when we're talking about Andy Reid a year from now, a year ago, where he, number one, hadn't won it in the AFC Championship game. Remember, he got beat by the Patriots. Mm-hmm. We knew about his transgressions in Philly and how all those years played out. Mm -hmm. So that was his first year getting over the hump and actually being successful in the big game. As a head coach. As a head that's all that matters right now. I don't hey man, you don't gotta keep saying as a head coach. I don't care about anything goes. We talking head coaches right now. So as a head coach, that was his biggest year. That was the biggest thing that he could accomplish. And I think also you have to add in the recency bias as well with it being this past season. It wasn't three years ago, it wasn't four, it was last year so I personally didn't have issue with that big of a jump no my issue yeah. isn't with that big of a jump my issue is that he was number eight last year see I didn't have an issue with him being eight last year though man because all the other guys the guys that were ahead of him last year too mm-hmm. right Harbaugh still Peyton yes. still yes what what did they they had the Super Bowl from that was getting dust on it okay right? so true. you're right so they didn't have the recency thing uh-huh. but like I just that bothers. It doesn't bother me that Andy Reid's second now. Okay. It bothers me that he was eighth last year. Okay. Um, and then you know. Well, my thing Sh- is this, though. Last year, who would you have put him over, though? 
You weren't putting him over John Harbaugh last year. You weren't putting him over Sean Payton last year. You weren't putting him over Coach T last year. You know I would have put him over Sean Payton, absolutely. You would have put him over Sean Payton. Sean Payton, come on. Time out. Three straight losing seasons recently. Andy Reid's never done that. No, 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 no. Three straight. We're talking the past three years. Sean Payton, think about going into last. I mean, not Sean Payton. John Harbaugh. No, no, no. Yeah, Sean Payton. I'm tripping. Sean Payton going into last season Mm -hmm. was coming off with two back to back NFC Championship game appearances. Uh, Just one. Just one. No. The Minneapolis Miracle and then the Rams game. And then the Rams game. The Minneapolis Miracle was not the NFC Championship. It was the divisional round. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So my thing is this, though. Two seasons back to back where they're in the playoffs, where they're still going further. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Andy Reid, that wasn't always the case. So that was my biggest thing. They were in the AFC Championship game. They were. They were. But that's my biggest thing right now, though. I'm like, and, and so it's you know, it's funny how we look mm-hmm. at it differently because I look at the three straight losing seasons from Sean Payton, something yeah. Andy Reid never had. I look at John Harbaugh, who still hasn't okay. won a playoff game since 2014. Okay, something that Andy Reid's never gone six okay. years without without winning a playoff game. Okay, so so again, it wasn't that it wasn't the leap or anything like that. It just bothered me more so that last year I didn't think they put enough respect on Andy Reid's Fair name. Enough. Um, the other thing, you know, the but I feel me like you're this, way higher on Andy Reid than I, a lot of people have are. Been, though, Whereas you you're know, way lower on Sean Payton. You know I, I don't that, feel like that's justified. You know that I value <laughs> the the being there every year, and Andy uh-huh. Reid's there every year. Where again, Sean Payton's had three straight losing seasons. He had a year where he was suspended as the head uh-huh. coach. But we could, you and I could argue the, you know, split yeah. those hairs all day. Sean Payton at four bothered me. Okay. John Harbaugh, I guess, at three kind of two. Because, again, if we're talking about success, yeah. Sean Payton's Saints, let's be real here, they've been favorites the last three years okay, and have lost a Minneapolis Miracle and two home playoff games in those three whoa, years. Whoa, 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 whoa. At the same time. John Harbaugh. Wait, again, wait a minute, wait a minute. Six wait years a minute now. Playoff time on, time on. Now, when you talk Sean Payton and you talk the Minneapolis Miracle – Fluke ended. When you talk the NFC Championship game, fluke ended. They don't ask so, Cal Mozzi. And they that's ask fine. Cal Mini. Well, and that's fine. But all I'm saying is so this: wait, wait, they were still though. in those D games, Ford, though. D Ford being offside okay. and that letting the page, that wasn't a fluke for Andy Reid. You can say it was. Okay, so you can say you're it was. Say the Minneapolis Miracle was okay. for Sean Payton. I'm going to say D Ford lining well, up well, offsides was for, but, for but, Andy Reid. But by you saying that, that helps my argument because it's happened twice for Sean Payton, only once for Andy Reid. So think about it. Well, <laughs> maybe that just means Sean Payton. He's not as dressed up as he should be. Oh, stop it, man. I should have had a better defensive game nah, plan on that man. Minneapolis Miracle. Not at all, man. So not you know not huge beef, but I I, I just you know how those those things kind of like yeah. I get what John John Harbaugh is the hard one for me, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think that where they came from two years ago, right? They were four and five with Joe Flacco, and since that moment, they completely changed everything yeah. and have been nineteen and three since then Very in the true. regular season. Very so true. it I give John Harbaugh a ton of credit in that, but again. 2014, last time he won a playoff game. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of hair splitting with this stuff. It is. Do you have any problems with the, with the, you know, the way that this list, their list is laid out? Yeah, for me, man. Uh, I, I know you don't like Mike Zimmer on this list, do you? No, I don't. What, but, but for <laughs> me, the two that I had the biggest issue with was uh, Cal Shanahan and uh, Sean McVay in terms of At their location. Yeah, I thought that. For Kyle Shanahan, I thought that was way too high. I mean, in three seasons as a head coach, he's only had the one winning season. That was last year. Now, granted, it was a great year where they lost in the Super Bowl. But prior to that, you look at the wins that they had in his first two years, that was terrible. And don't give me the, the well, the quarterback and this and that because everybody deals with the quarterback issues. Everybody deals with injuries. So I don't want to hear those excuses when it comes to a guy having success or not. 
you go down this list, every team up here, every coach up here has had to deal with losing their quarterback. Doug Peterson's on this list. He, he won he's a lost. Super Bowl exactly. with his quarterback. So for me, I don't care what 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 the excuse for Kyle Shanahan having Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt the first uh, the first year and all this other stuff. I don't care about that. The fact that the matter is he's only had one winning season in three years as the head coach of the 49ers. Now, granted, like I said, this past season he did get a Super Bowl appearance, but they lost. So it holds weight, but it doesn't hold that much weight. I concur. Yeah, and then Mike Zimmer, like I said, man, I just I can't get with that one. I'm sorry. I can't get with it. How do you feel about Pete Carroll's position on this list, number eight? I personally thought it was too low. I do too. I'm with you yeah. on that. We talked about this when we were doing the roster thing, right? They mm-hmm. power rank your rosters in the National Football League right now. You'll be it's about not, yeah. you'll be about 14, 15, 16 before it, you start that, thinking about the Seahawks. And that's best case scenario. And that's best case scenario. <laughs> so for me, man, yeah, I wasn't a fan of uh Pete Carroll being that low on the list, man, I thought that when you just look at his body of work, number one, but then look at what he's been able to do over the past, what, four or five years now with a just Russell Wilson and a, and a band of misfits, mm-hmm. essentially, man. Mm-hmm. They still find ways. And, and don't get it wrong, we're not, you know, overlooking guys like Bobby Wagner, some of the guys like a Doug Ball when, when he was there. Cam Chancellor, but and all those guys. But let's be real, over the past like the past four or five years, Cam Chancellor, Earl they Thomas, they were on the 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 last leg of mm-hmm. their careers in Seattle. Mm-hmm. We we Richard talked Sherman's about gone. yeah, and we talked about how even when they were getting rid of those guys, Cam uh, Cam Chancellor was dealing with neck injuries two of those past three seasons that he was playing there. When we talk about Earl Thomas, we understood that he still got hurt his last year there. We knew with Richard Sherman, he was looking a little like he had lost a step as well. So for me. When, when I think of Pete Carroll still being able to constantly be in the conversation in the playoffs, constantly making something out of nothing, winning playoff games, you're just like, how did you win that game? How is no is no way your team should have won that game right there? He's but making, they can, he's making chicken scratch out of chicken bleep. To, man, uh, to, it's to, to crazy, man, <laughs> crazy. But they consistently, when we were talking about Pete Carroll, he consistently finds ways to get the job done. So for me, that was why I was like, I thought he should be a lot higher on this list. I did too. So before we get to our list, Arthur Motes, let's get the break here, right? So we got a fresh. We'll start the second hour. Oh, yeah. oh baby. We'll oh, start yeah. hour number two of the show with our top ten lists. You know who's going to have to go first here, all right? So I'll be back with my top ten first on the other side. And, just just uh, keep crowning Andy Reid. I already we'll know see. how you feel. Crown Andy Reid, poo-poo Sean Payton. Yep. <laughs> you want to know why too? Because he's a Philly guy. No, it's because I'd rather have Andy Reid over for a barbecue than Sean Payton. Oh, wow. See, I'd rather have Sean Payton. I know I'm going to get to eat all I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy, man. Dad Arthur Mates. He's quick with a joke, folks. He's quick with a joke. Oh, 60 minutes in the books. Another 60 to go. Our top 10 coaches in the NFL around the corner. So stick with us. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? I'm feeling right. Me too. I'm feeling left, actually. So, I mean, I guess I don't know. (laughs) Hour number two, Arthur Motes, Wesley Hewler. On our first show in July here, Thursday, July 2nd, and it's time to get into it here, folks. Our top 10 head coaches in the National Football League. Now, I know most of you know how, how, most of you know how this works. 
But for those who are listening right now who might not, all right, just so they don't think I'm stepping on Arthur Motes' toes, whenever we do these list things, I got to go first, all right? That's oh, just how this works. Oh, what you mean you got to go first? It's, it's beauty before age here on the program. Oh, that, that's what we're going with? Okay, okay. I, thought, you, I thought it was another thought it was another that was going. Okay, I was getting a little <laughs> offended for a second. Because, you know, Motsi, he likes to be able to, you know, sit back, observe what I do, and then either build me up or chop me down. It's a nice little dynamic we have going on. <laughs> so when we were talking about uh, CBS Sports' list, we started at the back. I'm going to start at the front here, Motsi. Um because I actually think it might be more dramatic that way because everyone knows who's at the front of the list, right? Who's like at when the you, front? you count down to number one, there's there's no doubt there. It's the guy who has six rings as a head coach. Um, it's Bill Belichick. It's Darth Belichick. All right. And I know everyone's gonna want to scream asterisk this and asterisk that. And you're correct to a certain point. Absolutely okay. But they've also had success in the years away from those, you know, scandals, shall <laughs> we call them. Look. Bill Belichick's tenure as a coach in the National Football League in general in general is ridiculous. Coached LT in the in the Giants. Insane, man. Two two more rings as a defensive coordinator. Obviously six as a head coach. Mozi, he's done all this too while like I'm convinced he likes lacrosse more than he does football. It's truly remarkable. Bill Belichick, number one on my list. Ooh, I'm gonna get Arthur Motes fired up here. Here we go. Andy Reid, number two on my list. Big of red course. baby. Hey. Of Let's course, be honest here. Let's be honest course. here. You take Darth Belichick out of the equation. Uh-huh. How many coaches in the NFL right now have more than one Super Bowl ring on their finger? No, you're right. I, I, I get all that. There's none. Zero, zip, nada. Who's won it most recently? Mm-hmm. That worked against me in the last segment. It's working for me <laughs> now, baby. <laughs> Listen, you could talk about how up until last year he had his failures in the playoffs in Philadelphia especially. That's certainly fair. But what Andy Reid offers – that some of these other coaches haven't necessarily offered is, is consistent opportunity to be there. You can argue, certainly, fairly enough, that he's been there, fallen short too many times, but I would rather have a coach that I know we're going to be there all the time than a guy who it might be more like, you know, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Andy Reid, number two. Number three, I have Pete Carroll. Okay. I, I do. I, I can't get over how... The lack of talent, the exodus of talent on that roster over the last five years and how they're still right there every single year in arguably the best division in football. Mm -hmm. The division in football that's produced the NFC Super Bowl representatives the last two years in a row. How much credit do I really want to give Pete Carroll? How much credit do I really want to give Russell Wilson? I don't know. That's a different conversation for a different time. Who's carrying who? Whom? Is it who or is it whom? Whom. Are you sure? Or who? That's whatever way you want it to be. Hoopst is carrying Hoopst. Are the votes? Are the votes? We know it's Russell that's being that's I, doing yeah. all the heavy lifting. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> yeah, you might be right. Pete calling pass plays on fourth and two in the Super Bowl. Or third and two in the Super Bowl. What, what you doing? What you doing? On the goal line. Give it to Marshawn. For that reason right there. All right, you're right. For that I, reason I'm, right I'm there. I'm moving Pete Carroll around. For that reason right there. Don't think I forgot. <laughs> Don't with you all, think I forgot. With, with, nah. a, with, with a big old nod to, uh, yeah. to to Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll 3. Number four, Arthur Motes. This one was difficult for me, right? The next two names on my list both come from the Keystone State okay. of Pennsylvania. I went Doug Peterson at number four, though, and here's why. Because the recency thing that you and I discussed, mm-hmm. get this. Uh, since 2007, Doug Peterson has the Super Bowl win. He's got two division titles. 
three straight years in the playoffs. Only four teams in the NFL have made the playoffs the last three years. The Eagles are one of them. Four playoff wins in the last three years. Only Bill Belichick has more. And this was a big kicker for me. Now, granted, Mike Tomlin has this going for him, too, over his career. But in the last three seasons in crunch time, the Philadelphia Eagles are 11-3 and in the month of December. So I've got Doug Peterson right now, number four. I have Mike Tomlin, number five. Thirteen seasons in the National Football League as a head coach without a losing season. That just doesn't happen. But again, when I'm splitting hairs here and, you know, four playoff wins in the last three years uh, for the Eagles, as for Doug Peterson, as opposed to no playoffs for the last two years for Mike Tomlin, that was the, you know, the right now difference for me. So again, my top five real quick, Belichick one, Andy Reid two. Uh, Pete Carroll, three, Dougie P, four, and Mike T, five. Now, number six, come on. I couldn't have him any lower on the list than this. I've got John Harbaugh because everything that I talked about, I think it's it's so impressive to me. I can't even go. I can't even listen to this list it's right imp- now because it's, it's a name that you were uh, deliberately leaving it's off, so impressive and it is nonsense. Hold on. You get your chance to speak, all right? <laughs> it's so impressive to me, like I said, two years ago oh with Joe Flacco, the Ravens were four and five, uh-huh. and they were – their fan base was livid. We need to blow this up. Get rid of Flacco. Yeah. Get rid of Harbaugh. It's time to start over. They put in Lamar. They institute a brand new offense. They've 19-3 and in the regular season since then. I-, I always think, Motes, it's really impressive. It's one of the things that's most impressive about Belichick. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a scheme that he has to play, right? We've talked about this. <laughs> a-, a coach that like John Harbaugh that can go from one style to another and have success and do it on the fly like that, I can't have him any lower than number six all right I can't have this guy any lower than number seven either it's Sean Payton my favorite guy in the universe hey listen I don't, I don't even know if I want to hear the fact that you what what's, what's the yeah help me understand the logic behind Sean Payton being at seven. two straight years of losing at home in the playoffs when they were favorite big oh, big wow. favorites last year against the Vikings wow uh you've got Drew Brees no 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 don't try to just fit your narrative of two straight years of losing at home. When did they lose at home that, that previous year? Make sure you say the game. Which game was it? The NFC Championship okay, game. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. What, you want a cookie for getting caught? Cl- Andy oh, no, 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 no. In the AFC Championship no, game. No, are you ready for this? That same year. So, so when was the last time Coach Thomas been in the uh, NFC or AFC Championship S- game? Was it 16 or 17? 16. 16? No, 17. It was okay. 17. Okay. okay. But, right, everyone talks about, you said this too, I yeah. think. Drew Brees better than Ben Roethlisberger? My personal opinion, sure. Yeah, I would say so too. Okay. So I think the same thing that we knock Mike Tomlin for. Look at the look at all the uh-huh. talent on that roster. Look at all those future Hall of Famers, and he hasn't won play. Yeah, I'd say Peyton's that to the next extent. I don't agree with that at all. Well, you'll have your chance to yeah. speak in just a minute. I got Sean Payton at listen because I'm a if, Sean if, if we hater. if we talk defenses, I'm a Sean If we Payton talk hater. defenses through both of their careers, it's not even close. Who's had the better defenses between the two? It's not even close. If you talk who who's had the better staff around them in terms of their DCs. It's not even close. Well, who's in charge of hiring the staff? Okay, it's not even close. So for you to say that, man, Sean Payton is to the next degree because of all this talent, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. And because unlike Mike Tomlin, Sean Payton's had three straight losing seasons. Oh. Unlike Mike Tomlin, and how Sean far Payton how far do you got to go back? How far do you season? have to go back to get those losing seasons? Those three that you always bring up. How far do you got to go like back? 14, 15, 16? How far do you got to go back? Is that is that a long no, no, time? No, ago? no, no. Go look. How far do you have to go back? Isn't it 14, go, 15, go, 16? Let's, I'm not, let's, you let's, got it. You tell yeah. me. I'm not going to waste I just, time on that. I just like to hear you say it. I like to hear you say it. That's it all 14, I'm saying. 15, I like to hear you say it at your mouth, man. 
Seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and uh-huh. nine. That's what I like to say out of my yeah. mouth. Sean Payton got mm-hmm. an extension yeah. during three straight losing seasons. If Mike Tomlin had three straight losing seasons in Pittsburgh, he'd be gone. Mike McCarthy, he didn't need to have three straight losing seasons in Green Bay before he was gone. All right, because so Sean Payton's a very good head coach. First off, Mike McCarthy seven, isn't even in the conversation. so much of the criticism that other head coaches get. Sean Payton, number seven. Number eight on my list, I've got Kyle Shanahan. All right. Um, uh, one of the boy wonders. You know, to the Super Bowl next year. His first two years in San Francisco weren't great, but I think he's still in his 30s, isn't he, Kyle Shanahan? Uh, I think he's like 30. 39? Yeah. So, uh, like, I think we're projecting here a little bit, but Correct. he should get better as he's only been a head coach I mean, for he three better. years. He better. <laughs> yeah. I've got Kyle Shanahan at eight. At number nine, I've got the other boy wonder, the guy that if you have a cup of coffee with him, you'll be a head coach in the NHL, NHL, NFL eventually. <laughs> I've got Sean McVay. And at number 10, this one was tough for me. It was between two guys, Sean McDermott and Mike Vrabel. The Ooh. difference the difference was that Mike Vrabel has won playoff games. Sean mm-hmm. McDermott has not. So I have Vrabel at 10. Sean McDermott is my first guy out at number 11. And then I would go Mike Zimmer, yeah. number 12. I don't have an issue with that. I like that. Because that was, that was torn between those three as well. I know, you've got an issue with my Sean Payton, so let's hear your list. I always got an issue with you with your Sean Payton because you could just see how biased you are against like him. him. That's all right. And, and it shows so We're bad. Biased towards the but, but then, You're biased towards Mike Tomlin. But then it's I funny, though. Listen, it's so funny because every time you try to make your argument, some of the things that you bring up as pluses for these other guys, and you try to flip it as a negative for Payton, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Oh, you, 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 you're cutting you your own argument out, man. You're the NFC Championship game when Andy Reid was in the AFC Championship game the same year. And I felt like Andy Reid was still a top-notch coach. I never said he was eight on my list. Remember, you said you had an issue with them having him eight on their list and then having him bumped up to number two on this list now. I thought last year that he was still going to be a top five, top six coach because of those things. Because of not only was he in the AFC Championship game that year, but remember two years prior to that when he played us. Uh, and, and no, 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 was the they played in the divisional in the divisional round as well. Where I'm like, they still were constantly winning games. They still were constantly in the playoffs past that first round. So for me, I never had an issue been, with ever that. Since John El- or, uh, John El- ever since John ever since Peyton Manning left, they've yeah. won that division pretty regularly. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Except for they, one year, I think the Chargers did maybe. In the the last one year to charge five it, or six years. Yeah, but I say because I'm trying to think. What year? Yeah, they've won it pretty much every year. I think like so. you said, ever I know since Manny has gone. I know for sure gone. they won yeah. it in 16 and 17, mm-hmm. and I know for sure they won it in 19 and 20. So yeah. 18's the only year in question, and I think they won it in 18 too. They won that division five straight years. I think they might have. Close. Pull it up. <laughs> but anyways, let's get to your list yeah. here. Mosey. So for me, man, obviously Belichick is number one. What, really? I mean, when you talk about longevity, you when sure? you talk about recency, you talk about over uh, over a full body of work, you talk about doing it with multiple players out there. I mean, we talk about their defense is how they've constantly changed personnel on the defense. We talked about how from an offensive standpoint, they've constantly changed the way they run their offense, how they went from pass heavy to now we're going to line up with two backs and run the ball at you. We, we've seen them win it in a multitude of ways. We've seen them win it versus all types of styles of offenses and defenses. True. We've seen them overcome some of the craziest situations to still be successful. He went 11-5 and five the year without Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean. Like, it's, it's insane. <laughs> insane. And they didn't make the playoffs. That's insane. But they went 11-5 like, and five the year that Tom Brady was out with the ACL. Or, or I think about how when they went and they won with the first three games with Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they won two with Jacoby Brissett. Or some, it was something along those, those lines when Brady was missing. And just seeing how they constantly, it doesn't matter who they put out there, they're going to be successful. They're going to always have the right scheme, the right calls. 
from a situational football standpoint, I mean, he's probably the best that I've ever seen in, in, in those phases of the game, man. So, for me, it's not even close. Belichick is number one. And number two, I do have Andy Reid, man. I think – Look at us. Well, because this is the thing, man. When I looked at just – not only the recency bias of him winning the Super Bowl, but you look at his seven years in Kansas City, you realize the lowest wins he's had during that time Eight, are nine. No, nine? nine. He had nine wins. That and was that was with, remember, Alex, Alex Smith, Smith for those yes. first, what, three yes, four seasons. Yes, indeed. That, that was his lowest total. So when I think of that, then I also think of the, the, the back-to-back AFC Championship game appearances, and then obviously they won this past year to go to the Super Bowl and then actually win the Super Bowl. In dramatic fashion. Yeah. I don't even care about the fashion as long as you win, <laughs> as baby. As long as you get the W. As long as, long as you get the W, man, it, it could have been the prettiest, could have been the ugliest. It doesn't matter. They call you champion. So, for me, when I when I factor in all those things, that's why I have Andy Reid at number two, and I don't really think it was a lot of debate around that. Now, from here on is where I start to debate Same with here. myself a little bit. One at, and two for me was, was a layup. Yeah. Now, at three, this is where I do have John Harbaugh because I looked at him. I said, man, I understand playoff-wise, he's kind of in a similar situation as Coach T. That 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 bell is back, you know. It's coming due again. Like we we need. They got to win a playoff <laughs> right. game this year. This year it has to happen because I said, okay, I understand this this past year. Even though you you lost in the uh, the was it the divisional, divisional round, round yeah. I still give you the credit for having the number one overall team, the number one overall record, also getting the coach of the year and things like that. I, I give you the credit you, for you that. You can't sneeze at a fourteen and two record no in the regular season. And, and I said the year prior to that, the fact that you were able to. Mix that offense from going from Joe Flacco to turn it over to Lamar Jackson without the personnel. Four and five to to, in the playoffs. To hosting the game. They they hosted the game versus the Chargers. So for me, when I think of that, I'm like, I don't hold that as a negative because that would have been similar to if Coach Tomlin would have made it to the playoffs this year and got beat with Duck or Mason. Are you going to hold that against him? People would have tried to if you were a hater, but you would have to give him credit. And so for me, that's how I look at that Lamar Jackson first season because let's be real, nobody expected that. No, nobody and they hadn't game planned for that style of offense. I mean, think about it. They, they just switched it on the fly. Middle of the season personnel wasn't even right. It's kind of like remember two years <clears throat> ago when the Patriots came here and lost to the Steelers. Yes. Yes. And from that point on, Belichick just changed, changed the offense. Yeah. So for me, I look at that as a plus four. I'm with you too. I think that's one of the most impressive things that coaches can do is absolutely on the fly, man. change everything that they're doing and still have success. Absolutely. So that's why I give him the nod in terms of being at the three spot. And like I said, over a 12, a 12 career by a 12 season body of work only having one losing season I think that's huge that's one of the biggest things we preach with coach Tomlin how can I preach that with coach T but then turn around and not preach it for hardball it just doesn't add up now at number four like I said three four and five were my highly like just within myself it could have been in any order so at number four I I went with Sean Payton right here you knew that you knew it I mean let's be real he has a coach of the year that's something that coach Tomlin doesn't have just yet but then also he had um <clears throat> Excuse me. He went to the NFC Championship game recently. We're talking two years ago, and they were talking about three playoff, p- three playoff game appearances in the past three seasons. I think that is huge, especially when we're talking about the contrary. When I'm talking about a Coach Tomlin, who in the past three seasons only been to one playoff game, and then he got beaten in, in that that opening game. So I hold that. I, I think when we're weighing those two coaches. That does go against Coach Tomlin in that regard. But when I think of Sean Payton, you could make the argument that, you know, he definitely has underachieved from the full opportunities that he's had. But people will say the same thing about a Coach Tomlin. So for me, how do I praise Coach Tomlin, but then at the same time, 
get on Sean uh, Sean uh, on Sean Payton when he's been pretty much identical in some of these games where they've been the favorites, where they've come in with stacked rosters. We've seen the 2017, I mean the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers as the favorites, the two seed, and go get beat by Jacksonville in the first and in, in the divisional round. Like we've seen this. So for me, my biggest thing is I always like to keep everything the same. If I'm going to hold this as a plus for this guy, I got to hold it as a plus for that guy, and that's ultimately why I have Peyton at four. Now, with five, you know I got to have my dog, Coach T, in the building, man. It's not even a game right here. 13 seasons, no losing seasons. That's insane. I don't care how you slice it. I don't care who you've had on your team because, let's be real, Ben hasn't played all 16 games every year of those 13 seasons. Not at all. Not at all. But he still finds a way to get the job done. Let's be real. He hasn't had the best offensive talent. He hasn't had the best defensive talent every single year over those 13 years. We've seen it as recently as last year, and we can go back five years when we talk about from a defensive standpoint. But either way, the results are always the same. When you talk about what he does in November and December football, mm-hmm. you see his record. You see how he better dominates those times. Also, you see when we talk the big games, the primetime games, his record in primetime games, that's another huge boost for him. So when I factor in all of those things, that's I have him at five and still when I go off and this is why I say it's always a mix of what you've done your full body of work what you've done recently as well and and obviously the playoffs play a huge part in that but he does have a Super Bowl championship when you have that in your cap that's a huge boost for you because you don't have to be the coach that's hoping to get there or we're just talking about your appearances in the game no you actually have that hardware so that's why I have coach T at five at number six man you know I gotta go to the west coast man shout out to the dog Pete Carroll he's 60 but he looked like he's 40 man (laughs) he's just so lively (laughs) taking his shirts off and and meetings with with guys at the combine no question man So, so for me man I'm a big fan of him and what he's done out there with, with Seattle but I think that debate when I think of Pete Carroll I definitely see the success I'm a huge fan of the two Super Bowl appearances back-to-back actually winning one Just I still think it was the, the most terrible blow blown call ever in terms of not handing the ball off to Marshawn they he had just got five yards to play before why wouldn't you give it to him again that's neither here nor there though my biggest issue when I talk Pete Carroll I still feel Mike McCarthy vibes with him a little bit in terms of who's more important to that team. Is it Russell Wilson or is it Pete Carroll? Because we could talk about McCarthy when he was in Green Bay, but let's be real. We saw that, man, that was still more Aaron Rodgers than McCarthy. So anytime I'm talking Pete Carroll, that always lingers in my head. And for the people that make that same debate when they're talking about Coach Tomo, he's had a Hall of Fame quarterback his whole career, but then they'll put Pete Carroll above him, and I'm like, well, Pete Carroll's done the exact same thing. So don't give me that unless you're going to keep it the same way for both of those guys and hold them to the same standard, which people won't because it doesn't fit their narrative. But for me, I make sure that I keep it consistent, and that's why I have Pete at six. Like I said, if Pete would have just handed the ball off, Pete would be a lot higher than six on He'd this list. He'd be top five. No question. But <laughs> when you when you have an opportunity to go back to back and you make that just, just – I don't even know. I don't even want to – this is dumb. I, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah it, not, it just hurts my head think thinking about, about wh- why would you do that. I can't have you higher than that, all right? So that's what he's at six. Now at seven, you got to go with the boy wonder, man. Sean McVay, what he's been able to do in those first three seasons have been nothing short of remarkable. I mean, three years, no losing seasons, two playoff appearances, one Super Bowl game appearance, and he has a coach of the year. You talk about setting the league on fire. The only thing he's missing right now is the actual hardware. But what he was able to do those first three years in terms of changing the way 
the game was played, changing the way you call calls, changing the way you take advantage of the – I mean, he, he pulled a Belichick in terms of understanding, hey, if I hurry up to the line of scrimmage, I'm smart enough that I can watch the defense line up and give you the call. Talk to the quarterback directly, a young quarterback who I, I still have my concerns about golf, mm-hmm. but he was able to direct him through those things because he knew, okay, all in this 15 seconds, you get to the line of scrimmage, I'll give you the call right now, we'll get you right where you need to be, I'll tell you where you need to throw the ball to. That's genius. It is. That's genius. We talk about Belichick always being ahead of the curve. That's McVay. He was ahead of the curve. So, for me, that's why I have him at seven, man. I thought that was just beautiful what he's been able to do. And like I said, in those first three seasons, no losing seasons. That's a big-time thing because, let's be real, we could point to the fact that uh, uh, Ty Gurley has been hurt while he was there. He had missed some time. We could point to the fact that golf – was inconsistent at times. Who knew what he was? We a could lot point of their to wide receiver. They lost Cooper Cup Cooper, for a long absolutely. time. Brandon Cooks for a they, long they've time. They had multiple injuries. We could talk about how on the defense they took just random players that were good. Now they were really good players, but just random guys just put them together. It was like constructing an all star like, team. Sue, give me Sue, give me yeah. Peters, give me Clay Matthews. Like, let's like, figure it out. Let's just play. <laughs> And I do think he did a good job in terms of constructing his staff and getting a guy like a like a, a, a Wade Phillips. I mm-hmm. thought that was huge, man, mm-hmm. because we saw the success that he's had throughout his career. So I thought that for me, man, just seeing how he's been able to construct his coaching staff, construct his roster, but still be able to stay true to his style of play. For me, man, that's why I have him at number seven. Now, number at number eight, I got to keep it in Pennsylvania. I got to go to the other side of the state, though, man. Doug Peterson, he can't be any lower than this, and I can honestly debate to have him as high as six on this list. Just for me, I'm not a Philly guy. Outside of cheesesteaks, I'm cool. I know. You, you know wanna, what I mean? You you want you put the guy Sean McVay ahead of him that Doug Peterson's three and zero against. No, but no, I'm you're just, absolutely I'm just, right. I'm just saying, but though. you know the thing that's funny, people have Sean McVay ahead of Coach T, and I'm like, no, Coach T be Sean no. McVay with 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 Duck. Like, uh, or yeah. excuse me, with Mason. Right. And so, right. and that was when they, they spotted him six points the first play of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for me, man, I, I just, I'm not ready to go there just yet. But with Doug Peterson, man, you got to point to the fact only one losing season in his first four years as a head coach. He has a Super Bowl championship in there as well. He's been able to take backup guys and make them look like stars in yeah. terms of Nick Foles. He yeah, got another, that man another paid. organization that's just had rotten luck with injuries. Absolutely. Lately. Absolutely. And, and the thing is this I understand the injury element of it. And that's why when when you see guys overcome the injuries and still able to be successful, I use that as a notch for them. Because when I think of Doug Peterson, when I think of Coach T this past season, when I think of some of these other coaches who've had to endure a lot of injuries but still are able to be successful, that's a huge plus. So with Doug Peterson, man, for me, I just need to see – I want to see more of it. You know, like I said, he's a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Four, Four seasons, he's still very young in this league. But for me, man, I can easily make that case to have him up there, like I said, as high as six because of what he's been able to do in those first four seasons. I'm just the, – the, the biggest thing between him and McVay is he has that one losing season. Now, granted, he does have the Super Bowl as well, and I think that you can make that argument both sides. Both of those guys played against – I mean, they went against the same team. Mm-hmm. Just different years, that's drastically true. different, that's but they, they both had their they opportunities, did. you know? But But that's, that's, for me, my biggest difference right there. And obviously, McVay has the coach of the year, whereas Peterson doesn't just yet. Sure. Now, at number nine, this is why I have my man Sean McDermott, man. I, I was very impressed with what he's been able to do in those three seasons. You think about three seasons in Buffalo, only one losing season, two playoff appearances, and we know what the Bills were before he got there. We know what the Bills have been. Since you, the early 90s, it's dude, been a lot of wasted dude, seasons. Since, since the early 90s, you could argue who's been the worst run franchise Never between Cleveland. the Bills and Cleveland. Yep. But the difference is – 
where Cleveland has gotten all this hype and all this hoopla, they still haven't produced. The Bills have been very quiet, flying under the radar, and have and have put together something special up there. Whereas, like I said, three in the past three seasons, they've been to the playoffs twice. We can't say that in Pittsburgh right now. So you just think about the different players that they've used, the different coaches they've used, the different quarterbacks they, they've used. He's done that without a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah. without a Jimmy Garoppolo like we'll get to in a second. He's done that without a, a, a Carson Wentz or a Nick Foles, guys who who have very high draft pedigree and things like that. So that's one of my bigger reasons why I have him at nine on this list. And then at number 10, I go to the West Coast, man. Shout out to the Bay. You know, wifey's from there, <laughs> so I got to show love to the Niners. I think Cal Shanahan, what he's done in the first three years – the first two years of that, wasn't a fan of. But this past season, he set the league on fire in terms of his style. In terms of going back to that old school, we're going to run the ball. West Coast offense play great defense. I love uh, the the D.C. out there. Say, I think that's a great pickup for, for Shanahan to keep him on the roster and be able to retain him this year on the roster as well because we know that's a guy similar to Eric Bieniemy who's going to be getting calls when the, when when they start up uh, next offseason, man, because they have just head coach written all over them. But when I think of Kyle Shanahan, though, man, when when I think of how he was still, like I said, able to in Garoppolo's first full healthy year orchestrate the the success that he had, and this is coming off of a three win season. Yeah, you talk about going from from trash to to greatness. That's that's, that's rare. A, that doesn't a, happen a lot, that's man. That's an impressive turnaround. That yeah. does not happen a lot, man. So for me to see that, and then we're also projecting because we know with Kyle Shanahan, three seasons, man, you already got a Super Bowl appearance in there. I think he, he hasn't even served his first presidential like, term like, yet. Like, like, think about yeah. that, man. Like he really has a chance to do something special. I think, man, this is one of those guys when you talk about a coach time, we talk about a Pete Curl, a Sean Payton, Andy Reid. Uh, John Harbaugh, those guys time. who have 10-year spots at the same place and, and do some great things out there. I think he's one of the next guys in line for that. He's a part of that second class, that new class, in terms of him, McVeigh, Peterson, McDermott. I think all of them in the same area. And the only reason they're not higher on the list is just because their sample size is so small right now. Sure, But though, though I think Shanahan, though, he's definitely going to do some nice things in this league, man. I like it. So one more time, Arthur Mutz, your top ten. Yeah, man. So I got Belichick at one. I got Andy Reid at number two. John Harbaugh at three. I got your boy Sean Payton at four. I got Coach T at five. Pete Carroll at six. Just run the ball. Then I got at number seven, Sean McVay. Number eight, Doug Peterson. Shout out to the cheesecake and the cheesesteak. And then at number nine, I got Sean, McV- uh, Sean McDermott. And then at ten, I got Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> And I went Belichick 1, Andy Reid 2 as well, Pete Carroll 3, Doug Peterson 4, Mike Tomlin 5, John Harbaugh 6, Sean Payton at 7, Kyle Shanahan 8, Sean McVay, or sorry, uh, Sean McVay 8, Kyle Shanahan 9, Mike Vrabel number 10. Just quick note for you before we get to break here, Motsi. Um, So Sean Payton has been a head coach one year longer than Mike Tomlin. I just thought that this was like, just it's funny how sometimes these things are, are literally mm. so close. Um, but because of the suspended season, they've had They're exactly even. the yeah. same amount of seasons. Mm-hmm. Their record is almost identical. Yes. Tomlin Crazy. has the slight edge. In the postseason, they're both eight and seven. Mm-hmm. In the regular season, Tomlin is 133, 73, and one. Uh-huh. Where <laughs> Sean Payton is 131 <laughs> and 77. So it's like yeah. they've been in the league the same amount of time, and there's like two games separating them. And, That's and, insane. And I will say this. Both of them have put it like this. I think Coach T benefited from having a fifteen and one in there. Uh, no, no, he didn't have a fifteen. He's had the uh, he had a thirteen and three and a. Did he have a fourteen and two? I think so. 
I want to say he had a 14 or two in there as yeah. well. Whereas McVay, I mean, whereas uh, Peyton has had more of the 13 win seasons, where right. 13, 13, 13s, right. and 12, that's what, 13, yeah, and it just yeah. adds up in that regard. But it's funny, man, when you think about it because they're like deadlocked. Yeah, and people would debate it. Some people would say he's a better or that guy's better. It's like identical regular season, identical postseason as well the difference is uh, McDermott I mean excuse me the difference is Peyton has that coach of the year right now whereas coach T doesn't so what say you on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 the body little three question Thursday on the other side and then we will get to your tweets so get them in knuckleheads it's Euler Motes Steelers Blitz on SNR Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler and Motes having some fun on a Thursday. You can hear us in the air tonight. You can also find us on our podcast feed, Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcast. The show is uploaded there every day, commercial free on demand. Somebody's been in the lab. Somebody's been in Ooh-wee. the lab. It's three question Thursday. Arthur Motes, Phil Collins bringing us in right there. And I think I got three questions that you're going to enjoy today. So, Arthur Motes, let's get right into it. Question number one. Yesterday was Canada Day, right? It's like their July 4th. Yes. Which, it's funny, Canada and the United States both, like, had their constitutions and their independence days pretty similar times. But, Arthur Motz, what are your favorite things, favorite people, inventions, whatever, things to come out of Canada? Uh, man, all right. So, first off, I love how they just say, hey, at the end of it, <laughs> that's a nice day. Eh? Like, I think that's super nice, man. I love that element of it. Um... Uh, all right, I'm going to say it too. I'm going to push the T guy because he's from the 757, but I like Drake. I think that's dope that he came from Canada. He makes some awesome music. Mm-hmm. Some some music for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely Your dig that, Your boy Justin man. Bieber's from Canada, too. Oh, you know I, you, you know I won't go forget the Biebs now. Listen, I, I you know I got God, a shout-out, though. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for creating Biebs. The holy trinity of Canadians. Mm-hmm. Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, yeah. Jim Carrey. You know, you I got also, Jim Carrey over Justin Bieber. You crazy, man. Oh, now, come on. I'm a 90s kid. You know come my childhood on, wouldn't have been the same without come Dumb and Dumber on, and Ace Ventura true, and The true. Mask and Liar Liar. The Grinch. Bruce Almighty Jim Carrey, baby. Bruce Almighty. Um, exactly. I also love Tim Horton's coffee. Tim Horton's is good. It's like my favorite K-Cup coffee. You know the thing that always gets me, though? Because when I uh, when I had got drafted to Buffalo... There's a lot of Tim Hortons in Buffalo. So I always assumed that Tim Hortons was just a Western New York thing. I had no clue that it started in Canada. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, it's not Starbucks, but I like it, though. Tim Horton was a hockey player for Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but he's more known for his coffee, obviously. Three question Thursday. Question number two, Arthur Motes, July 4th, this weekend. You a fireworks guy or no? Um... Actually, I haven't shot off fireworks since the whole JPP incident, man. <laughs> no, no, no lie. When, when when that happened and he blew his fingers off, I was like, yeah, I'm done with fireworks from here on out. So I do like to watch fireworks. I like to watch other people set them off, but I don't set them off. I don't even buy them anymore. I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah, when I was younger, I loved fireworks. Yeah. My family, we vacationed to Hilton Head every summer, have since I was like seven or eight years old. And I used to love, you know, I'd get my summer allowance and I'd go spend it all on fireworks. But I got dog now, Motsy. 
You know, I, I know how it is for people with pets. Your dog doesn't like fireworks? No, he does not. Like most dogs, my dog does wow. not like fireworks. My dog, so the funny thing is my dog doesn't trip at all on really? fireworks. Yeah. Oh, my dog hates them. And that was the thing that they got me because uh, obviously where I'm living at over in the uh, the southern, South Hills area, people were complaining about how their uh, animals have been like going crazy because people have just been shooting fireworks off. For no reason, actually, I don't know why they just. Shoot I know them off. it's like a, it's like a, it's another pandemic we have yeah, going on I was here. Like, right it's kind of random, but all right. But my dogs love it, and my kids love it. It's, it's like okay, cool, I can dig this. Yeah, no, if you got kids, fireworks are a blast. Yeah, I mean, for every sure. time you, you see my little man G, his face like, Dad, does he love it? Fireworks, he loves it. He runs to the back porch. Yeah, man, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Last one here, three question Thursday, another July Fourth question for you, Motsi. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Which day has the better food? July 4th or Thanksgiving? Oh, man, it's tough. It's tough. Thanksgiving, it's more rare to get that type of food. It's more comfort food, right? But it's also a lot of soggier foods, honestly, right? It's a lot of, like, crock pot and oven foods, whereas, you know, Moats, you and I, we're grilling guys, we're smoking guys. You get the ribs, you get the Mm. hot, you get the hot, juicy, crispy food on July 4th. So, Arthur Motes, which date has the better food, July 4th or Thanksgiving? Uh, well, I'm glad we're keeping it as a food theme because when we just talk food element, I, I can enjoy that part. I, yeah, I don't not like the other into, stuff. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we all love Thanksgiving with the sports and the yeah. – But just the food. You like the grill um, and the smokiness of July 4th or do you like the comfort nature of Thanksgiving? It's kind of tough, man. Uh, it's tough. There's no wrong yeah, answer. It's kind of tough, man, because for me – I think just like season wise as well, I prefer it colder. I, I, I'm not mm. a I'm not a hot be outside just sweating. Okay. My true. wife and me heard debate this all the time. She That's wants to TV on the back porch because she's like, we just, it's a nice day outside. I'm like, I don't want to sit outside. My wife too. I want to be in the AC. We literally just talked about that like two <laughs> weeks ago. The TV on the back porch. Yeah. No. I'm like, I want to be in the air conditioner. I don't want to watch TV and me sweating. Like that's not cool to me, it man. Sound enjoyable. Not at all. <laughs> so. So for me, man, I think I'm leaning more towards Thanksgiving, but at the same time, I'm going to go 4th of July because the one thing that I do love about 4th of July food is the 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 little icy pops that you get once you're oh. done. Yeah, the different color flavors. The best. So for me, I'm going to go 4th of July, man. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, As of right now, I would lean towards Thanksgiving. But tomorrow and Saturday will be my first July 4th with a smoker. So stand by oh, to see okay, if my reaction okay, changes. Okay. <laughs> Arthur Motes, that'll do it for Three Question Thursday this week. Yeah, a little, little like July 4th one, man. flavor. Yeah. Because, yeah. man, I'm, trying, I'm thinking back now, man. Just Ribs. It's like, do you want, you know, you want ribs and steaks I thought she was going to ask, like, are, are you a person that, you know, you are you a, a baked bean guy? Are you a, mm. a baked macaroni guy? You know what I mean? Like, which one Both. are you going with? Okay, all right, okay. There's uh, some people not, 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 some people that got some issues with the beans. You're right. I like beans, though. I, I do, too. I love them. You like coleslaw? We've had this conversation before. I'm not before. a coleslaw guy, man. I'm not a huge coleslaw yeah. guy, unless... With pulled pork. I don't know what it is, but pulled pork, I have to have coleslaw. Yeah, see, I, I really wonder who was the person that created coleslaw and what were their intentions. Like, I just, I don't trust it. <laughs> Something about the coleslaw just doesn't seem right. It's weird. <laughs> like, uh, what is this? Do you have a, are you a, are you a, a firm hot dog or hamburger guy? Because I'm a both guy. Yeah, I, I do both. I don't discriminate. Even yeah. though it's funny, like, some people are like, man, I only eat hot dogs. Right. I only eat hamburgers. I'm like, I when I get both. my plate, I need two hot dogs, two hamburgers, and then mm-hmm. we're going to get a separate plate for everything else. And I'm real bougie with my hot dogs. I think we've talked about this okay. before. Yeah. I have to have chili sauce 
like hot dog chili, chili with my hot dogs. Oh, I love chili. I worked hot at a hot dog shop for two years in college. If you don't college, have chili it, on your it, hot dog, what are you doing? It, uh, working at a hot yeah. dog shop for two years in college made me so bougie with my hot dogs. Chili, I can't eat them without chili anymore. Chili is mandatory, anymore. man. Mandatory, baby. Chili is mandatory. You know what else is mandatory, Motsi? Uh-oh. Getting out of here with some tweets. We got some good hey. questions so far. We'll answer them to wrap up the show on the other side. Last chance to get them in. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show for the day, for the week, actually, as well, too. We're off Friday, July 3rd. Company holiday, baby. How we doing? And everybody, obviously, enjoy your weekend. If you're traveling around, be safe out there. Have fun. And don't blow your fingers off if you're lighting any fireworks, okay? Yeah, please, though. Our buddy Thrash, Virginia's finest, says it's been like 100 degrees all week here in VA. I've got cold dessert on my mind, so I ask... What's your guys' favorite thing to get from an ice cream truck or an ice cream stand? That's a great oh, question, man. Thrash. I'm a chocolate eclair guy, Motsi. Ooh. I love, I like strawberry eclairs too. Don't get me wrong, I don't discriminate, but. See, I'm not a strawberry guy. I'm I love a chocolate eclair. I also just love, I'm a classic guy. I love the chocolate eclair. I love the ice cream sandwich. I'm a firecracker guy. Ooh, that's I, a good I want the red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. That's Sound about taking out the wrapper. And also, you remember the old school like Ninja Turtle, uh, like the, the Ninja best. Turtle heads with the gumdrop? The gumball for the, eyes, oh man, the best. yeah, that that. They're that. SpongeBob now, I think. Yeah, instead of turtles. Yeah. which is fine. I ain't got, I got no I, problem I don't have with, SpongeBob. with SpongeBob, but it's you know, it's just different. But yeah, it is. We are firmly in the middle of ice cream season right now. That is for. Sure. I mean, who doesn't love ice cream? Let's keep it real. I love ice cream. If you don't like ice cream, I can't trust you. You know who's the world's biggest ice cream fan? Who? Doug Peterson. This is true. Hmm, interesting. He's, like, got a sponsorship deal with Hawk and Dawes. Wow. I would, I would not expect. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Somebody else has an ice cream deal, too. Now, who am I thinking about? Do they really? No, it is Doug Peterson. That's is that what you're thinking yeah. about. That's all he talks about. Yeah, like, ice cream. It's ice yeah, cream. absolutely. Because yeah, so. I was thinking, I was like Andy Reid. No, I was like, it's somebody in Philly. But you're right, it is Doug. Yeah. Uh, Joseph tweets, looking like there might not be fans in the stands at NFL games this year. So I have an idea. How about the NFL gets on the virtual reality train mm. and starts selling virtual tickets? You pay to get to see the game in virtual reality, like you're sitting in the seats live. That actually, yeah, you I might be it. onto something there, Joseph. No, no, I like that a little bit there. I like that too. And you could sell like more good seats, if you will. Oh, right? absolutely. Like, oh, that's an and interesting. And the virtual reality thing is like a big deal, man. I it mean, is. It's, yeah. Someone get a. I don't know who's like the technology. Who's like the Steve Jobs now? Who's the technology wizard now? I wish it was Arthur Motes. Someone get <laughs> Arthur Motes on that. I wish it was me. <laughs> David, the Photoshop extraordinaire. Man, there, we got you guys. You're coming with the good questions today. You got to pick one movie from the 80s as your favorite. Who is it? I'm riding with Back to the Future is my number one. That's what mm, David says. Okay. From the 80s? Oh, that's a real easy one for me. Let me just double, triple check the year this came out. I'm he almost asked, a he thousand said, percent sure. He said, or we could give a top three. So my favorite 80s movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, yeah. come on, baby. Uh, but I also love Top Gun. I also love. Oh no, I'm good, I man. I also love Scarface. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I triple checked it. Batman, the original one, Michael Keaton. Ooh. It came out '89. I had to make sure it came out in the '80s. That's a good one. But yeah, I've always loved that movie. That's, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I go, I'll go Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Don Juan here. What's grilling this weekend, guys? Ooh, Don Juan, I'm glad Man. you asked. Okay. Tonight at midnight, I'm putting on a nine-pound pork shoulder for the weekend, Jeez. baby. Nine yeah, pounds. buddy. Yeah, buddy. I think it's going to probably take about 12, 13 hours to finish. Uh, I'm going to put that on tonight at midnight, and then on Saturday, I'm going to smoke a, uh, I got like a four or five-pound chicken, do a little pulled Ooh, chicken, okay, too. Okay, okay. I could dig it, man. So for me, I mean, I'll probably keep it simple, man. Ribs, flank steak. And a little bit of that chicken. But I'm, I'm going wings, though. I, I want to do the wings on the, on the grill, man. Yeah. Kids love the wings. The best. So, yeah. Get nice and crispy. Season mm-hmm, them up. Mm-hmm. Got to do that. Alexis says here, my goal is to finish work today by the time Wesley Euler and the body 52 finish the blitz and use the length of the podcast as my high focus time. Ooh, Come on, holiday okay. weekend. Go to work then. Go, Go to, to work. work. Then, Alexis, we, hey, listen. God bless you, because I feel like listening to us two jabronis, that'd be the opposite of focus time for me. But thank you, Alexis. We appreciate that. And you know what? Mugs and I are both grinning right now. It puts a smile on our face to know that we're helping somebody get through their work day for sure. We appreciate that. I mean, because y'all help us get through our work day. The feeling's mutual. We're scratching each other's backs here. Last one here from Mary says, we need to check out a recipe, uh, a potato salad recipe where you use beer instead of vinegar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Are you a potato salad guy? Potato salad and coleslaw are part of the same family. Oh, see, I like potato salad. I don't if tr- it's done right. Whoever made it, I don't trust them. <laughs> Whoever made it, I don't trust them. I do like potato salad if it's done right. I'll have to check that out, Mary, because I am, I'm a recipe junkie, so I will have to give an eye to that. Uh, thanks to everybody for rocking with us today. Everybody who chimed in, again, uh, no show on Friday, but we're back per usual next week. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. We'll have Brian Backo next week as well, too. A whole bunch of fun stuff planned for you. Uh, Everybody, enjoy your holiday weekend, right? If you're traveling around, so be safe out there. Be healthy out there. Don't blow your fingers off with the fireworks. Please don't do that. Please. (laughs) And and get to cooking. You know, get something something good on the grill and and enjoy, you know, enjoy a nice Enjoy a nice beverage while you're cooking, too. I think Mm -hmm. that's important. Nice Mm -hmm. beverage, nice food, nice music. Everybody, you know, we'll take we'll take a little siesta here for a few days, and then let's reconvene on Monday. You know when to find us. Mm-hmm. High noon, baby. And as always, you know where to hear us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.